0: to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Western Huntsman podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your host, coming at you from the Broken Tine Studio in a pre-recorded intro here. Uh, because if you're listening to this, I'm up hunting, and I hope you are too. And uh, hopefully, this uh, this podcast episode could find you. I got a great guest today for you. the The intro is going to be super quick because all I you know all I got to tell you guys, and it, it's really important because I think by the time this releases, we're we're in mid-September peak rut. Uh, for all you September archery hunters out there, if you're struggling, if you're having a hard time, you're thinking about you know throwing in the towel and going home or whatever. No, man, push yourself. Get back out on the mountain. Go deeper. Go higher. Go further. Keep calling. Keep doing whatever you're doing. Get get that elk down, man. Get get an elk tagged out. I it'll be it'll be worth it. I promise. So uh, I'm telling you that as much as I'm telling myself that because I know by the time this this releases. Uh, I'll be you know I'd have been in the field for about a week or so at that point and uh, probably a lot of miles on on the boots and and uh, it uh, it can wear you out it could wear a guy out right so get out there and just put your head down and keep going guys all right. So, good luck with that, by the way. And, oh, just a quick reminder for you youth hunters. We're still, we're almost there. We're almost there. So, just keep bearing with us. We're just sorting through the final uh, the final essays, and we will uh, get those sorted out as soon as I get back into town. And uh, get, get those winners their prizes, because I'm really excited about that. All right, guys. Today, I'm talking to Andy Donsaro. And Andy is a, uh, he's a butcher down in the Boise area. And we talk a lot about meat care. We talk about uh, getting your getting your uh, meat ready to go to the butcher. Uh, the differences between different types of butchers out there and stuff like that. You know, what are you going to get your meat back? Are you can get somebody else's meat back. That kind of stuff. Uh, just a just a really good conversation on on the whole meat topic and and uh, taking care of that game meat and getting it out and and processed and, and so it uh, it tastes right, smells right, all all the all the stuff we're looking for, right? So, uh, Andy is an awesome dude. Uh, I really like him. We've uh, we've never met face to face, and and but we we've kind of been friends on uh, through these social media channels, and and have had conversations back and forth a few times about hunting and ethics and and just different topics like that. He's a he's a lifelong Idahoan who is uh, he's a fantastic hunter, and he's one of those guys that just you know I'm proud to know him, and and uh, you guys will be proud to hear from him. So he's he's a great guy. Uh, check him out. The, uh, the company that, that he owns is called Get Your Meat LLC. And, again, he's down in Boise. And uh, he named it that because we, we – and we talk a little bit about that in this episode. He, you know, you never know sometimes – and I think a lot of pe- people are leery of this. You don't know if you're getting your meat back or somebody else's meat back or somebody's le- – like you take an elk in and you end up getting some bear meat or something like that. You know what I mean? And so it's I've always wondered about that. And uh, I'm way up in North Idaho, um, and so I, I don't get to use Get Your Meat LLC for for where I'm at. But uh, if I if I was down in that area, I certainly would. Uh, my, my butcher up here that I use just because I I just don't have time to process it myself, you know? And, and so, uh, I use Mountain View Custom Meats and, and I'm pretty confident in, in, uh, Mountain View. And the, the owner's an awesome dude and, uh, just wanted to give them a, a shout out. I'm, I'm proud to use you guys, uh, if you're listening. So, but if, if you are down in the Southern Idaho area, the Boise area, uh, give Andy a call and and let him quote you the the, the butcher fees and and uh, kind of check out his website. It's in the show notes. And uh, let him know the Western Huntsman sent you. And I think it's a, it's a cool, it's, a, it's a kind of a newer uh, operation for him. And he's just getting off the ground. And and uh, he's one of those straight shooting guys that'll, that'll take really good care of you. So I think you guys will enjoy this episode. Without further ado, guys, let's get into it with Andy. And have a great rest of your, uh, your week. I will talk to you. I'll be back in town and back in service hopefully by the next episode. So stay with me. We'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good week. All right, guys, before I forget how to pronounce his name, I'm going to just say it right now. Andy Donsero, how you doing, brother?
1: I am doing great, Jim. How are you?
0: Good, man. Did I, And I said your name right? You did. You nailed you it. A, you got a tough name. You, uh, you'd sent in some comment or something at some point, and, and I was I was announcing it on the podcast or whatever, and I was using everybody's last names, and then I got to yours, and I'm like, oh, my God, man, I'm going to butcher that name. I'm not going to try
1: it <laughs> 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 yeah, so, I think I remember that episode.
0: <laughs> so Andy is a, um, he's a butcher down in Boise, Idaho, and he's got a company called Get Your Meat, LLC, and this is kind of like a new venture for you, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, as far as owning my own business, I cut meat for many years, but uh, yeah, owning my own business, doing my own thing, yeah, it's a, it's a new venture.
0: And so already today, as we're recording this, it's September 4th, you've already got four elk in there. And, yep. uh, you just got done cutting up a bear I and did. then, and then when we're done, you're going to go, uh, go after it with a, there, you got an antelope.
1: Yep. Yeah. There's an antelope. And then when I get that guy done, I'll start on an elk.
0: Cool. So obviously just starting out, this thing's, uh, starting to roll pretty good, huh?
1: You know, it really has. I, I was real impressed. I got, uh, got a couple of friends and, you know, I think, uh, you would actually talk to one of them, I think with Jeff Morris, did was that yeah, you? That yeah, did a- yeah. Uh, he so- hasn't he
0: hasn't been on the show yet, but we keep we keep threatening to get him on the show. But we we've talked on uh, on Facebook and email and I, uh, and stuff like that. Um, but I want to get him and Tad Sherman on the show.
1: Yep. Yeah, I've got Tad's antelope sitting in my freezer right now. Uh, yeah, they they bring me stuff and they refer a lot of guys over to me, and yeah, yeah. It's, it's really taken off. I I couldn't be happier that you know the stuff that they they send over to me
0: that's awesome man I'm I'm I'm, I'm happy for you this, this is gonna be cool watching this thing grow and I, I think I've told you before I wish I was closer to you because I'm you know it's a good nine-hour drive to Boise for me so uh, I wish I had somebody like you close I we've got a good butcher up here I use this place called Mountain View custom meats but it, it, I just I like I like the idea of your operation and and how you started it, and we're going to talk all sorts of stuff, meat related and hunting and, and all sorts of stuff today. So uh, I appreciate you joining me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So
0: what, like, where are you from, Andy? Give us a little background on you first.
1: Uh, well, I'm I'm from Idaho, born and raised, been here 40 years. Um, thought one day I was going to move to Alaska, and I just can't leave Idaho. I like Idaho too much. You know but what I? Uh,
0: you, you know what would keep me out of Alaska, man? It's, uh, Cause my wife and I, we've, we've been talking about Alaska for a long time and the, the summers, we, we like swimming in the river and in the lakes and going camping and, and stuff like that. And they just, they're, they're so short and, and they don't get that
1: warm, mm-hmm. but I guess, you know, to each his own. Well, I heard, uh, I had a buddy that his brother worked in Osaka and I guess their, their weather in Osaka is real similar to what it is here in Boise. Oh, really? Uh, except, you're right. Yeah, it, except you're right with the summer. It is it's a shorter summer, but they still have, you know, higher temperatures. They get up into, like, the 70s and stuff from what I understand.
0: Yeah, see, I, and uh, we, see, up here in North Idaho, we don't have very long, like, you have a lot longer of a summer in Boise than we do. Like, you guys are getting into the 80s in, like, late April, May sometimes, you know, uh, right. and we, like our summer up here is pretty much strictly July and August. And then after that, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> summer's gone. <laughs> so Sounds like been, I need
1: to move up there then. Yeah. Come see me, man. Come on up. Yeah. I, I like cold. I don't like heat.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, that's why it's perfect here in North Idaho for us. Cause we, we like, we like heat. Uh, if we want to go camp on the river and swim and all that kind of stuff, but we only like it for about two months. And then uh, the rest of the year, I I like the mild, mild conditions for sure. So anyway, so you're down in Boise and, and uh, you've, you've been in Idaho your whole life and, and uh, yeah, just, just continue on. Tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll go from there.
1: Well, I guess as um, most people know, I'm a very avid sportsman. You know, I like to fish and hunt and pretty much do anything outside of city limits. Yeah. I don't really know what to say. I mean, this is my first podcast, so I'm, I'm a little dumbfounder, whatever that word is. That yeah, you know, no, I, dude, I just really don't. Yeah, what, I feel what like I, I'm I, uh, I find... on a dating site or something.
0: <laughs> I promise you're not on a dating site. The this is a this is definitely just a, and and I I'm the same way, man. I we'll start recording and like I'll mispronounce words. And I'll forget words that I use all the time. Uh, And and I don't even have to be recording a podcast. Somebody was asking me today, I was getting propane filled, and the dude was like, yeah, I'm just getting into archery hunting. And uh, what, what broadheads do you recommend? And I'm like, uh... Shoot, man! I forgot the name of the broadheads I've been using for like five years. <laughs> the Sharp so, ones. They're sharp. I
1: like the sharp ones.
0: Yeah, and they poke holes in animals, and that's all yep. I know. <laughs> so, so yeah, no sweat. Um, well, I want to. I want to really. I, I think that there's a few things that we should we should cover. Um, okay. Let's Let's talk a little hunting, and then I want to talk about like kind of meat care and getting your meat ready to take it into a butcher for those of us that don't have the time or the know-how to uh, to cut the meat up ourselves. Like, like for me, I, it's a time thing for me. Uh, I've done sure. it a few times, but I, I just, I don't have the time. And, and I know a lot of guys are like that. Uh, I know a lot of folks uh, just prefer to take it in and, and we always wonder, you know, what meat we're getting back. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's something I want to touch on and, and just kind of the overall process. So, like give us an idea of what like your hunting background what's what's kind of been your big thing hunting wise are you, are you big time bow hunter are you rifle hunter uh do you prefer elk deer do you have a preference things like that walk us through that a little bit
1: sure yeah i well i guess growing up i was you know my my dad and my grandpa and stuff like that they all rifle hunted and uh you know cousins and stuff like that they're all in the rifle and then uh my parents had started doing these 3d archery shoots just for a family thing to do uh back in the 90s and so i picked oh, up a bow cool. and i really yeah yeah so i i started getting into that and i really liked it you know back then i was shooting a bear recurve and
0: winning all <laughs> kinds
1: of trophies and all that stuff and i was i really dug it but never really thought to do archery uh hunt archery and uh what has it been? Nine, 10 years ago, buddy of mine took me into going through the class and doing the, the archery endorsement and whatever. And I -hmm. did it, put the rifles away and I've never looked back. I, I'm all about that that archery elk hunting. Um, I'm not real good at it, uh, but man, (laughs) I just enjoy being out there.
0: Yeah. That's, that's how I am, man. I'm, I'm not a great archery hunter, but I, I live for it. So, um, so you don't do any rifle hunting anymore, huh?
1: No, I mean, I'll, I'll go with friends and stuff like that, mostly just as a spotter or a pack mule. But, yeah, I, like I haven't even looked at rifles or anything in 10, 11 years.
0: Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I mean, I still, I, I generally when I'm going after mule deer, I'm still rifle hunting. Um, and, and oh, yeah? It's, yeah, just because of the way that up in, up in some of these units, the way that the season is time-wise and all that kind of stuff, it it just makes a little bit more sense. But, um, I also enjoy rifle hunting and, and I just don't enjoy it for elk because I I don't,
1: I, I suck at rifle elk hunting, man.
0: I I don't even, I don't even know how they do it, especially up here. It's so brushy.
1: But yeah, yeah, it's definitely brushy where I hunt too, but Mm-hmm. I tell myself every year, because I've yet to shoot a bull with a bow. I, I shot a cow, uh, but I, I've yet to get a bull with a bow. I tell myself every year, man, if only I had a rifle, this thing would <laughs> be done. But yeah, it doesn't work that way with archery. But I think that's why I like it so much. It, yeah, it's, yeah. it's an added challenge.
0: Yeah, I just, uh, I have a thing for getting a bull elk screaming at me and, and coming in. Oh, yeah. Fight, you know, and so that's that's, I think, what makes my my uh
1: was what that's what makes me tick for sure oh definitely that's that's actually the only reason I go hunting I I really don't like me I'm not one of those guys that like obviously I like meat and I'd like to have my own but I I kind of based on a um, successful hunt on if I can get close to an animal can I can I get that bull screaming in my face can I smell him urinating on the ground you know that's what gets gets my goat and that's yeah. a successful hunt for me yeah
0: that's a great point too I mean and that's how I feel I I just have like I've thought about if if I got an elk like the first day of season I would be devastated man I would just <laughs> I would just I would keep going and just keep calling an elk for the I don't know and shoot them with my camera kind of thing you know what I mean Oh, um, absolutely I, I think yeah. that's why
1: we all get hunting but so many hunting buddies if you get an elk Early, you can just go with them and help them out and still get the experience.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's that's what I'll do. If, if I tag out early, I, I am I will make an announcement that I'm available to
1: call and film, and and that's that's what I'll do. <laughs> It'll be fun. So I try not to make an announcement that I can call for people because they won't call me. <laughs> I got I, I can't call for much, but <laughs> it doesn't matter, man. It
0: doesn't matter if you can if you can make uh, you know decent sounds. I think you're good. I think you're good. So, what do you like hunting the most?
1: Uh,
0: yes, <laughs> all of it. Do you guys do? You do, do you do any bird hunting down
1: there? You know, when I was a kid, I was real big into waterfowl hunting, and uh, I did a little bit of pheasant and trucker hunting. But no, nah, I, I, I really don't do it that much anymore. You know, it's a lot of private property where I used to hunt, and you yeah, know, mm-hmm. a lot of people out there. Sky blasting and and uh, just shooting it everything, I I just finally said enough.
0: It, you know, like that Southern Idaho kind of area used to be like this epic pheasant hunting and quail hunting area. Oh yeah, and it's just like really gone downhill over the last ten years, uh, or or probably even longer. I don't I don't even know. Well, it's it's a lot like like Utah used to have great bird hunting, and like. It, it just—I don't know—I don't know how Wyoming is anymore. But I don't know. I, It's—I I used to like bird hunting, pheasant hunting used to be one of my one of my biggest things. I, I would do, and I was super passionate about it. Uh, but it, it's just gotten to the point where I, we used to go out, and, and every every 10, 15 minutes we'd be we'd be uh, kicking up birds. And now it's like you go two days without even seeing a pheasant, uh, and it sucks. And a lot of it's just you know habitat, agricultural stuff, but. Anyway, I've kind of lost interest in it, especially after my dog that I have now. All he, all he does is finds porcupines, so I spend the whole night pulling pins oh. out of his face, and, and that yeah, sucks. That's,
1: <laughs> that's kind of why we quit hunting over in Hagerman. Our dogs always, they've always been kind of mice mouseer dogs, you know, so mm-hmm. anything mouse-related. They're chasing around, and yeah, they got a hold of a couple of porcupines up in there, and we're like, okay, we're done.
0: Yeah. It's ugly. It's a, uh, uh, and it's expensive too, because I, I usually that he get, he's had them so bad. I've just had to take him to the vet. I can't even get him out, you know? And so anyway, that especially when crazy.
1: they get the short ones in there. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I, he had them on like the roof of his mouth, uh, oh. in, in his tongue, all over in his nose. It was crazy. The last time he got Uh, he found himself a porcupine and I'm, I'm just like, so where, where my wife and I live, I'm, I'm always nervous because we have, we have skunks and porcupines kind of running around this area and I'm a bit nervous. He's going to find one or the other and it's, it's going to be a sad day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, where'd the idea of get your meat
1: LLC, where'd that kind of come from? Uh, you know, like I said earlier, I, I, I did a lot of butchering and stuff uh, for, you know, jobs or whatnot. And, you know, kind of like what everybody says. Um, and I'm, I, I can't say all butcher shops, but every one of them that I worked in, in, uh, you know, you'd bring your, your deer in, you bring your elk in, whatever. And you got four guys on one end and they're, they're breaking the animal down and they're, they're getting the, uh, sinew and the hair and everything off of it. And then it goes down the line. And before you know it, your meat is now mixed in with the next guy's meat. and Now it's mixed in with the next guy's meat. And then you got the lady at the bottom, you know, she's wrapping and grinding and mm-hmm. those big grinders that you just don't, you can't turn those things on until you have a certain amount of poundage, um, of, of meat to put in those things. So now your, your deer just got mixed in with some, some bears, some elk, some whatever. And I was just like, you know, this, this to me, isn't what, I would want, I'm paying a guy for a service. I want my animal. I I worked for that animal. I want my animal. So totally man. Totally.
0: I I hate that. I hate the thought that, and and I've had that happen. I I know that like when I got some venison back last year, uh, I I am like 99% sure one of those cuts was some random elk and I don't know how they took care of it in the field.
1: I don't know how clean well, the meat was when it came in. I, I don't know. You know what I mean? And and that's the big thing right there. I mean, if you get mixed in with other guys, you got a deer for a deer, you know, just half the time you'll never even know it. But if mm-hmm. that guy didn't take care of his meat out in the field and it's got a little bit of bone sour to it, it's got a little bit of heat sour to it. It's, you know, just whatever. Well, now you've got uh, a nasty taste. Out of one of your steaks or something like that, and
0: yeah, yeah, so, exactly. That's it, and it, it could be scary, man. So, oh, it can be very scary. Let's. I, I want to. We're going to circle back to that and how how you do that. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about like what do you recommend in terms of of in the field meat care and and breaking animals down and and, and to like get, to get uh, you know the the highest quality you can flavor wise and you know obviously safety wise, all that kind of stuff. Do you have like a like a rundown of advice you can give hunters? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And I mean, to each our own on on this method here, I, I know the gutless method is a, a big topic nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've tried it once and, you know, to be 100% honest with you, I'm not happy with the gutless method, uh, mostly because uh, when you get an animal on the ground, by the time you find it, even if, it's real close by the time you find it your ultimate goal is to get the guts out of it and get that hide off of it you need to get that meat to start cooling immediately the the earlier that thing starts cooling the better that the flavor is going to be essentially uh you you don't have to worry about um you know just heat sour um but what i like to do is i'll get get to the animal i'll break it open you know go to gut it out but the very first thing i do is I break the ball joints back in the back hams. Oh, absolutely. Especially on an elk or a moose or something like that, break those ball joints. Uh, and the reason I say that is because between that pelvic bone and where those ball joints are sitting, you have that great big chunk of meat. Well, there's nowhere for that heat to go. So it's going to sit in there and that's essentially where you're going to get your bone sour from. Uh, Gotcha. and it's, all that heat is going to be trapped in there. So before I take the hide, before I take the guts, before I take anything out of there, I break those ball joints and that's going to let that heat go out. And then I pull the guts out and I, I'm actually, I, I got this from doing, I did mobile kill for a long time, which is, uh, on farm butcher, if you will, it, I'd go out I'd, you know, shoot a cow, I'd, I'd scan it out, gut it, break it all down, stick it in a trailer and take it out to a butcher shop. Oh, um, wow. so, When I did that, I I had learned, you know, I had two two by fours in the back of my truck and anybody that hunts, I don't care if you're hunting the desert or you're, you're hunting the woods, you can always find two sticks, two pieces of sagebrush, two something that you can eventually make this cradle, if you will. And if you go to like any kill floor or anything like that, they're all going to have some kind of cradle. And what Mm -hmm. that cradle is, is you roll the animal on its back uh, to where its legs are or fold it over, over its belly and put those, put a stick on each side and prop it up like that and start skinning the sides down. And you lay those out like a cloth uh, or a tarp or whatever. Uh, Then you start breaking the animal down. Once you get that, get that uh, first quarter off, you can lay it down uh, on that, or you can go straight into a meat bag. And what that does is uh, that'll keep a lot of the hair off of it, especially on like an antelope or a bear where, you just can't control that hair. Uh, yeah. if you can have some type of clean surface, like the hide or a game bag that nothing is going to get into the meat, like sticks or debris or hair or anything like that. That's how I've always done it. Uh, and I find that, uh, like, I, I mean, you're going to get hair on there regardless, but, mm-hmm. uh, less is more, if you will. I mean, if you got a lot of hair on your animal, well, now if a butcher actually does take it in, well, he's got to sit there with either a little pocket torch to pop those hairs off or like with a bear, that's actual hair. Um, now he's got to take his knife to it because a washcloth will just smear it all over the place.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's always one of my biggest challenges, man, is, is when, I, when I skin out a deer, for example, I, I spend like hours picking hair off of that stuff. And I was told that you don't want to use a wet rag because I used to hose them off, right? And mm-hmm. and, I, uh, and I I was told that that's bad. Is that what? What is your take on that? Using water to get the hair off?
1: Well, I'm, I'm talking lay it obviously.
0: Down. Obviously, that's not going to. If you're in the field breaking down an elk, this is going to be totally different. than, I'm talking like you get a sure. you get a deer, bring it home, hang it up to to skin it out. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Well, any butcher shop you go to, you go to drop off your cow, you go to drop off pig, whatever like that, they're going to scan it out and they're going to take a pressure washer to it. So, okay.
0: So there cuz it it was my butcher shop. Hose.
1: That it was my butcher
0: shop that said, "Hey, yeah, don't don't get it wet." But I feel like it was I, I don't know. I've always done that. So it's like, "What are you talking about? Don't use a hose to get it clean." It, like it, but this this girl was telling me she's like oh yeah it makes makes the meat sour or something like I can't even remember what her explanation was but so
1: you you it doesn't oh go ahead you, so you recommend it go ahead and spray that sucker off to a point I mean what what she's talking about at the butcher shop it's not that it's making it sour what it's doing is it's if you can't get it directly into a cold area then I don't recommend uh, spraying it off because what that what that water does is it's not down at temperature, you know, you need, you need that water almost freezing essentially it's about 38 degrees is what you want it for. Cause mm-hmm. if not, you're going to get bacteria growth and you're also going to start discoloring your meat and it makes, it's kind of a mess for a butcher to take grayed out animal. Essentially, uh, you know, you want your meat to be red, not gray and a hose is going to make your meat gray. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Okay, so that's so, kind of what she's talking about. And, I, that you know, makes sense. and so, yeah, a lot of butchers just tell people, no, you don't get them wet because mostly they, if they get a grayed out animal uh, and they've got USDA or something like that in their shop, they can't take that grayed out animal. Gotcha. There's there's bacteria on it. So they don't recommend you do it.
0: Yeah. Which my butcher does. Cause they, you like take your pigs and everything over there and they'll, they'll right. butcher them up. So that makes sense. Um, Okay. Actually, let's stay on that for a minute. So I, I've got a deer okay. hung, right, and I, I haven't been hose, hosing it down. Meat's still nice and red and everything. But like you said, it's inevitable. You're going to get a bunch of hair on this stuff. And I, mm-hmm. and I've been scolded. In fact, it's it's funny, man. The the butcher that I use, and like, I'm just giving them a free shout out here because they're they're not your competitor. They're you know 750 miles away here. But uh, oh, absolutely, do it uh yeah well they're not that they're not that far away but um I like to exaggerate <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> anyways so he was the the dude that owns it mountain view custom meats uh the first time I t- I took this mule deer over there and they're used to seeing whitetails right and so mm-hmm. uh it, it, it was like he was, he was pretty grumpy, which is, which is normal with butchers, right? You take them and like, they're kind of, they're kind of brash. They were, he was, he was like, oh man, this thing's super dirty. And, and I don't even know if I'm going to accept this. And and I had tried to get the hair off of this guy and, and did my best. And, but now years later, I've taken a bunch of stuff over there and, and like, we kind of know each other a little bit better. and, and, uh, he's super nice now, but at first he, he really bragged me out for having the hair. So now what I do is I hang the deer and I will take, uh, hopefully my wife's not going to listen to this. I'll take <laughs> the tweezers out of the bathroom and go down and I'll use tweezers to get the hair off the deer. And I'll, I'll, I'll do this for, I'll, I'll just sit in and I'll do this for like an hour or two. And I get them pretty clean, and now I get compliments every time I take it to the butcher. It's like, oh yeah, this is nice and clean, nice work, and it always makes me feel good, you know. <laughs> uh, is there any other like method you could recommend to get hair off the meat and and not in the field? We're gonna get back to that in just a minute. Like I, I'm in that circumstance uh, where you, where you're skinning the deer out at home and getting it ready to go to the butcher.
1: Yeah, so the big thing that I do if you're if you're dealing with antelope. Deer, elk, moose—not uh, a bear, like you heard me mention before. That's a different kind of hair. It's not a hollow hair. But if you've got an animal with a hollow hair, what I use and some other butchers do—it it takes a little bit of a trick to get used to it. Because when when I say this, you're going to kind of go, "What?" So I actually use a pocket torch.
0: Pocket torch. And
1: yeah, one of those little butane micro torch things that you can buy from Harbor Freight or whatever for ten bucks. Uh huh. I fill that thing up with butane and you can take that thing and just lightly go over the hair. You want to keep that flame away from the meat, but you just go lightly over that hair and you'll see that hair pop. It'll pop right off of there. Really? But if you get too close, yeah, you get too close. It'll start taking that outer layer of, uh, sinew, if you will, the, the, um, they have an actual right word for that stuff But
0: I know basically what you're the, about.
1: the loose slimy skin Yeah, mm-hmm. it'll start cooking that And you do not want that Okay Because okay. now you just opened up for bacteria pockets But once you figure out that little trick um, You know, and you can take You can take that wet washcloth Or that damp washcloth And you can get the majority of the hair off of there But then when you get those stragglers You know, just take that pocket torch to it And yeah, it'll pop them right off there
0: I don't know if you guys know this yet, but hunting season is knocking on our door. In fact, some states it's already even open. I'm I'm seeing pictures on social media. It's coming, guys. Have you gotten your scree gear? Scree is extreme mountain gear that is designed for rugged Western hunting like we talk about on this show all the time. Complete layering system for all terrain and all conditions Gear designed to adapt to the weather. Rugged gear backed by a lifetime warranty. The VIP Sizing and Exchange Program is amazing. If you get the wrong size in the mail or something's not right, you send it back for free. They, They send you the mailing slip for it and take care of everything. Guys, this is great gear. I've been running Scree for a long time now and I really, really like it. It's a great company story. Uh, the owner is real big on having high performance technical hunting apparel at a responsible price, and that's what you're gonna get with Scree. You know how it goes. You can go drop a small fortune on, on some of this gear out there, right? And we all love to have it. I love having this gear. But with Scree, you're gonna get the high performance gear. You're gonna get everything that you would expect on a high performance uh, kind of company like this uh, with, with the gear you're gonna get. But you're not gonna break the bank. You don't need to sell your kids. You don't need to take out a second mortgage. Just get you some street gear. And at checkout, go ahead and use the promo code the Western Huntsman for 15% off and free shipping. That's a smoking deal. And Huntsman is spelled H-U-N-T-S-M-A-N. A is an apple the Western Huntsman at checkout with Scree Gear. You should check out the elk bundle they have. It's pretty spectacular. Hope you guys check it out. I appreciate you supporting our sponsors. And our other sponsor is Phelps Game Calls. Guys, the the premier call company. Everybody knows Phelps. We all love Phelps. If you're not using Phelps Game Calls, you're not doing it right. (laughs) Okay. No, I'm serious, guys. Phelps is, is a company that was born out of this uh, great American success story that started something small and it turned into this big company that everybody knows now I use Phelps for for my elk calls, I use Phelps for for predator calls, they've got some new deer calls coming out, it's gonna be great so I use the AMP series for the elk, you guys know September's on its way Or, or it could possibly be here by the time you're listening to this, who knows but September's on its way, my favorite time of year, better than Christmas, better than anything September man get your amp calls. I really like the Maverick and the Black Amp. Those two are screaming reads and uh, there's a a bunch of other reads for different types of of palettes, if you will, or uh, the way that you use a call. It might change, so you got to try a little bit of everything and uh, the the Pink Call is fantastic, Uh, but uh, personally, I like that Black Amp that Maverick read. Uh, Those two are kind of my go-to's when it comes to calling in elk and boy do they work. Uh, Again, check out. Guys, Phelps has given us a um, a promo code to use. It is Huntsman10, H-U-N-T-S-M-A-N, 10, number 10. So you'll get 10% off at checkout go to phelps.com and check it out. It's going to be in the show notes. And lastly, just just as a bonus promo code for you guys that are in the market for a new set of boots, I love the Explorers from Hoffman Boots. They are badass boots. They will get you up the mountain. They will get you down the mountain for several seasons. Check them out. The promo code for Hoffman Boots is Huntsman15. Huntsman is all caps lock. H-U-N-T-S-M-E-N 15 go ahead and check that out it'll be in the show notes and uh, get you some new boots and and let me know what you think thanks guys here we go let's get back into it so I I have an idea for you and like for a, a viral YouTube video you should video make a video of you doing that to show the technique that you use and uh, like that thing would be pretty handy if, if you if you could do that
1: you know, I think there is actually a video. Is there a video. I think that's where I, I think, yeah. Cause I learned it from, uh, the dude that, uh, what is it? Outdoor edge or something like that. I, I think it was one of his videos that I seen that on. I'm like, man, that's a great idea. I never even thought about that. And so I did it. And I'm in my first one. I was pretty glad it was my deer. Cause it got right into that uh, rib meat. And I love rib meat on a mule deer. I don't yeah, think there's anything yeah. better on a meal deer is that those ribs. But, uh, yeah, I, I did it on some of that and I, I watched that stuff separate and I'm like, Oh, that's probably not good. Huh. And yeah, it, it kind of, kind of screwed that section up, but yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think there is a video out there of it. All right. But gonna... you, you won't find a lot of butchers that, that do it because obviously you're in a cold storage room. So heat you don't want. So like, I, I don't use a, a, Micro torch in my shop because, uh, well, it's I just don't I can't afford to lose my my cools uh, air.
0: Sure, sure. So what is uh, you you mentioned? Don't do that with like a bear or the non hollowed hair. Uh, I mm-hmm. which I I didn't I don't even know what you're talking about with that. Um, just because I'm you know I'm not the smartest dude anyway. But what what's the difference with bear? The, the
1: hide and the hair that comes off a bear. So, bear is fur. It, it's not hair. So hair, kind of like what you get off your legs or off your head, is the same follicle, whatever you want to call it, same stuff that your fingernail is, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's hollow. Well, on a bear, it's it's fur, so it's actually not hollow. It, it's all the way through. It's it's one membrane, if you will.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So how do you, how do you get that hair off?
1: With a knife. That's (laughs) the only way. And, and you'll never, that's the problem with bears. And that's why a lot of butcher shops won't take them is uh, that that, that's kind of like when I do a bear in my shop, um, I have to completely clean my table. Uh, You'll always have hair on a bear, no matter how good you are at cleaning them. You'll always have some excess hair. But uh, after I'm done with one quarter, I have to, scrub the table down, scrub my knives down, and then start on the next quarter. Just because that, that hair transfer is just ridiculous, especially Mm. on a bear. Interesting. And you you cannot have that hair transfer because that's, that's essentially bacteria and stuff like that. Plus you don't want to eat hair.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's not very good. um, (laughs) Freaks my wife out when she opens a package of meat and there's hair in it. (laughs) so, um, Okay. Let's go back to what you were talking about when we're in the field and we're breaking down an elk or, you know, whatever, a bear, deer, uh, Mm -hmm. on all of those, are you, you're breaking the ball joint on anything, right? Yeah. Okay. Let's, yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, the internet, I keep getting the internet is unstable warning. Um, so we'll just keep rolling, whatever. Getting back to being in the field with an elk. Okay. We're, we're breaking down, uh, the the thing that is is in my mind from what you you had mentioned are you saying that instead of doing the gutless method you're you're gonna you're gonna break those ball joints and separate the rear quarters and then you're gonna gut the elk and then continue taking uh breaking down the rest of the
1: elk after it's gutted Right. Yeah. Well, so initially, I mean, I've, I've already got the cavity open. I've already got the majority of the guts out except for, you know, the diaphragm and the heart and, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then I'll go ahead and and roll that thing up. I'll get those ball joints broke open and I'll start my skinning process. Um, and I, I just skin down the sides. I don't worry about trying to get to the back of it or anything like that. Um, and then, you know, on an elk, I'll bust out the saw and get that, um, rip cage open and stuff like that finish taking the diaphragm and the esophagus and all that stuff out um but what that's doing is is that's actually opening that that cavity up where it can start cooling immediately uh, and and that's going to really save your meat with the gutless method you know you're zipping along the back and you're, you're you're pulling one side off but the only problem is is well you're you're laying on the other side so you're creating hot spots in there And you're leaving those guts in there that's actually got bacteria growing, you know, because that blood's not circulating anymore. So now you got immediate bacteria growth. Uh, And me, I I just don't like it. I mean, there are guys out there that can do it really fast and that's great. I'm not one of them. Um,
0: I would rather break it down the
1: old fashioned way. And then once you get everything broke down, then you can roll it over and, you know, after you get you know, the rib cage clean and all that stuff and take those tenderloins out and then you can roll it over and take your back strap off your loin, um, whatever you like to call them. Um, and then you can take your neck meat
0: off. So basically you're doing the gutless method, but just gutting the elk.
1: Yeah. It's basically backwards of the gutless method. I'm I'm just doing from the, the bottom side. There's a traditional way of, you know, like a back in the, what, 80s and 90s that's how guys did it
0: yeah 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 I think this uh the gutless method you know as we know it, I think was kind of a a rare thing and and now it's become more popular with with some of the you know like internet content and stuff that's out there so um it actually makes a lot of sense man I I wouldn't have thought of that I I you know because you just the gutless method is is just makes it easy and it, it's cleaner uh yeah it's and- definitely a lot cleaner Yeah. Yeah. But if, but it makes sense to get, I mean that when when you do open that cavity up and start pulling those guts out, I mean, it's, it's usually, I don't care. Well, I mean, temperature outside does matter, but it's almost always steaming. There's a lot of heat in there. Uh, And so if it's taking you two hours to break an elk down, that's a long time for that heat to sit in there. So that, I mean, in my mind, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and that's, you? that's essentially why I do the ball joints too. You'll, you'll get that same steam effect when you break those ball joints. Like I showed a gentleman on his first bear this year, uh, you know, he didn't know how to gut it or nothing. So mm-hmm. I went over there and I showed him to break those ball joints and I, sh- I showed him the steam coming out and it was 60 degrees outside, but you can still see a little bit of steam coming out of those things. Gotcha. There's a lot of heat trapped up in, in there.
0: Yeah, that dude, that makes total sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. Okay. Once, once you have, so, so we've gone through that process, we've gutted the elk and now we're starting to break it down. We're putting it in meat bags and hanging it. Uh, any advice in terms of how to keep the meat cool that, are you deboning? Do you debone?
1: Uh, sometimes. It, it really depends on where I'm at. If I'm only, you know, a mile or two in now, I'll, I'll keep the bone on cause I'd rather have the bone on to cut up later. Um, Why? how, how come? Um, oh, just easier to deal with. Um, oh, okay. You know, you get. You get guys that, I mean, if, if a guy knows how to bone out properly, then it's not so bad, but if a guy doesn't, and he's essentially what I like to call and what other butchers like to call chasing sinew, um, which anybody that's ever broken an animal down or done any type of meat, they, they understand what those sinew pockets are. If you start chasing that before, you know, it, you went from five groups of meat, five chunks of meat, and now you got 12. Well, you just mm-hmm. ruined 90% of your steaks. So yeah, I, I always recommend if you can to leave the bone in, but you know, sometimes you can't. I've,
0: I've never deboned. I don't, I, I don't even know. I, and I wouldn't know how to do it properly. I'd, I'd be like what you said. I'd lose a bunch of the steaks and stuff. We got the meat is broken down. We got it. We got it in game bags now at this point, And let's say it's, you know, 70, 80 degrees, typical Idaho or Wyoming Montana temperature in, in September, um, you guys, you guys in like Arizona or Southern Utah or New Mexico or so, you guys are on your own with that. I don't even know how where to start with that. Their temperatures are crazy when they're on. So, um, so you've got run you've fast, got, yeah, run fast, run fast. Uh, get a horse, something. Anyway, um you've got it all you know hung whatever what 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 do you what do you recommend in terms of keeping them are you looking for just shade or, or maybe if you could if you could hang them over a crick or something let's say it's gonna be a good day or so before you can get it in the truck and, and get it off the mountain and down to into, into a freezer
1: yeah absolutely yeah I, I always try to get them in a tree but if I don't have a, a tree nearby uh, the big thing is is you always want to have basically 360 degrees worth of air getting to that. Uh, cause if not, if you just lay it on the ground, uh, you're, you're creating a hot spot on one side, which is, you know, that's how you're going to get sour. But, uh, I'll see if I can't find sticks or sagebrush or something like that. And I'll, I'll pile it up on top of there. Uh, you know, it, if that's what I'm left with, that way I can still get air circulation around it, but yeah. And in yeah. retrospect, in a perfect world, yeah. If I can get it close to a creek hanging in a tree, you bet that that's exactly where I'm going to go. And I like to hang my meat uh, not on the same branch. I like to kind of stagger it through the tree and that's just, that's pretty much allowing the meat not to slap together if it gets windy outside. And it's also allowing for, uh, you know, that air to circulate around. You know, I didn't think
0: about, I didn't think about that. What, what's the, what happens when the meat kind of slaps around or, or if you, if you start putting it in your truck to take it back to town, uh, and you start stacking it, is there, is there a negative impact to that?
1: Um. Well, if if you're stacked real tight, no. But like if you're hanging in a tree, or you're hanging in the garage, or something like that, and you got a couple of quarters uh, off the same animal, it's not as bad. But what happens if somebody slaps you on the leg? Well, you get get a a bruise. bruise. Yeah. Yeah. So that's essentially the same thing that's happening in the tree is you're you're just sitting there and that meat just bruising itself. Um, Hmm. If you go into a meat locker. You know, this elk can't touch this elk because now you get cross contamination and that kind of stuff. Plus the bruising. Gotcha. Uh, so.
0: Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Now this is this is good stuff, dude. I can talk to you for a while. Th- these are like questions that I've I've always like. Sometimes you know how it goes when, especially especially in my position where I've got this podcast. Sometimes I'm like, I'm asking questions and I feel like they're dumb questions, but it's also something that I've just never really known. <laughs> and so I, I think it's good to clear it up. You know what I mean?
1: I don't think there are any dumb
0: questions. Yeah. Especially with meat care. It, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of different opinions out there on, on some of this stuff. The but hope. yeah, you know, uh, it's, it's just good. I think, I think everybody could use a refresher on this every year because you know, you just never know. I mean, I've gotten some, I've gotten some deer back from the butcher and they, they tasted like shit. And, and it's, it's, it's like, I don't know if it's something I did or something that happened at the butcher or if it's not even my deer and, and, and so I'm always curious about that.
1: Or if it's just your deers, I mean, some, yeah. some animals just do have that, that gamey taste, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I try to make it and you know, all my friends that hunt with me and stuff like that. Like I've, I've showed them, uh, my style of meat care and, uh, it really just kind of saves on the flavor if you, if you will. Like I, my favorite meat all time is mule deer. All is it really? Is mule deer steak. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I love mule deer. Um, I like that little bit of gaminess to it, but I've never had a mule deer that tasted bad uh, that I cut up or that I took care of in the field. Now I have had mule deer does and stuff like that, that somebody else will do. And they're like, Hey, let's do a barbecue. And it's like, this is rancid. This is bad. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Do you have, do do you have an opinion on with specific to mule deer? Like as to what creates that, uh, like I've had, I've had mule deer that I've taken from really high country seem to taste better than mule deer that I've shot in maybe some lower country. And I'm, I'm always curious as, as to like why that is, is that, is that just something that circumstantially is in my mind or, or that just it was coincidental or is there something too, um, the high versus low elevation
1: mule deer. You know, I think what it really comes down to. Um, well, what I've noticed is um, fat content. Uh, if your if your animal is real super lean, it's going to have a better flavor to it. If it's real fatty, other than a you know obviously a deer that's been hanging out in a cornfield for its whole life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But if you find some of those lower land deer that have been uh, not really using their muscles too much and they're just kind of eating whatever's in sight they're they're munching on uh, sagebrush browse or whatever uh yeah they're going to be able tend to be a little more gamier uh where those high country deer they're they're constantly running around they're uh, they're eating good grasses that that's a big thing i think food source is probably the biggest thing is you got mm-hmm. those alpine grasses up there in that in that high country uh versus that lowland country where here in idaho we get a lot of sagebrush and Uh, bunch grass and stuff like that. And I I think it just kind of changes the flavor of them a little bit.
0: Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Uh, Yeah. So it's interesting. I think you're like the first dude that's ever said mule deer is your favorite because I I personally, I really like mule deer as well. My wife though, uh, I've tried to figure out how to bring home a deer and be like, oh no, don't worry. It's a whitetail. Um, Mm -hmm. because she, she does, she had one bad experience with that, that one deer I was telling you, it just did not, it really didn't taste very good. And we tried to do all sorts of stuff to cover the flavor, you know, and marinate them like for two days and (laughs) stuff. And it just, it was just kind of funky and it it was, it was shot in November. And so it's not like it was hot, you know, it was nice and cold. It froze. Uh, anyway, it's, it's just, uh, no pun intended left a bad taste in her mouth for mule deer. And so I'm trying to figure Mm -hmm. out how I'm going to get her off that kick because I mean, these whitetail that we get here locally, they, they do taste good. Uh, but I'm a mule deer hunter by, uh, you know, that's, that's just what, that's what I've always done. Uh, so, uh, just, it's just interesting. It's just interesting how I'm going to, do you got any advice for me, man? How do I, how do I make my wife like mule deer again?
1: Well, so (laughs) I, now now you're calling me out cuz everybody that i've tricked into eating things are now going to start to realize if they listen to this podcast that <laughs> they've been eating mule deer and bear this whole time and they had no idea uh but like like my mom she she does not like game meat. She grew up on it, she just doesn't have a taste for it. She'll eat some pepperoni and stuff that i make on occasion but she just she does not like to eat steaks and stuff like that and mm-hmm. you know my dad does so they'll come over for a barbecue and, you know, I, I slow smoke everything. I, I'm not a Traeger fan. Sorry, all you Traeger fans. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a plug it in and let's, let's see some smoke come out of this thing kind of guy. I'm an old fashioned smoker. So yeah, I chop yeah. wood and, and oh, you chop your slow. own wood and everything, huh? Oh yeah, absolutely. I've Sweet. got, uh, my wife calls it smoker village, but I've got five smokers and every one of them are wood fed, wood and charcoal fed.
0: That's sweet, uh, man.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. So. Cool.
0: No, I like that. Yeah. I don't, I, I'm, I haven't, uh, I haven't joined the, the, the Traeger club yet or, or any of those types yet. I I've been thinking about it though. I don't know. I guess to each their own, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, to each their own for sure. I, I see, I'm a, I'm a charcoal guy. I, I like mastered barbecuing with charcoal and it's a totally different thing than smoking. So we're not even talking about the same thing, but Um, that's, that's been my hesitation is, is I know, I know how to cook things on charcoal over charcoal so well, I don't want to switch to something like a trigger and like, feel like I'm starting all over again. And I don't, I, you know, smoking is a a whole different art.
1: Well, without giving away too many of my secrets, I'll give you a call one of these days and give you kind of a rundown where you can take a normal style charcoal smoker and still be able to smoke some meat pretty, pretty easily.
0: Okay. I'm going to take you up on that. I, I like that. Yeah. So let's talk about, uh, let's get back to, let, let's talk about Get Your Meat LLC for a minute. Um, first okay. of all, you're you're in the Boise area, right? I am. What, is that like a vicious dog you got in the background? What's going on there?
1: Well, I got about seven Australian shepherds behind me that they just <laughs> don't ever be quiet.
0: <laughs> so uh, anyways, you're, so you're in the, you're in the Boise area and uh, you've got, you um, obviously you've already got, you've got meat coming in. Tell the audience why you think it would be uh, better for them to bring their meat to you for, for butcher uh, versus some of your competitors down there.
1: Uh, okay. Well, without shooting any of my competitors in the foot, you know, I won't talk bad about anybody, but uh, when you, if you bring something to me, it, it's exactly what my name is. Get your meat. I'm going to work on just your animal and I will not start another animal. I will not move anything around until your animal is done packaged and sitting in the freezer waiting for you to come pick it up. Mm -hmm. I, I cut it to what you want, uh, within reason. Uh, you know, if you bring me a 40 pound antelope, we say, and you want 50 pounds of hamburger. Well, I'm sorry, that's just not going to happen. But, uh, within (laughs) reason, does that uh, happen? It It does. It does. Uh-huh. It, it hasn't happened, you know, ever since I started this business. But um, I mean, it in some of the other butcher shops and stuff, you know, that I cut up wild game for, they, you know, you always get that guy in there thinks his, well, it was hard for me to pack out, so it must be three hundred pounds. Well, it's an antelope. I'm sorry, it, it weighs about <laughs> sixty. So,
0: how much meat? How much meat are t- people typically getting off an antelope?
1: Uh, depending on how they break it down, um, or, you know, bring it to me, um, typically you're going to get probably about, you're going to yield about 60 to 65% of bone-in hanging weight. um, Oh, okay. See, I didn't
0: know that. Okay. That's good to know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're, you'll get, you know, obviously with with bloodshot and, uh, you know, like I don't get too far on like the 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 hams and stuff like that. I don't get... I don't get all the way down to the tendons and stuff like that because you don't want to chew on leather. Sure. Uh, but uh, you know, so you figure most antelope have been coming in, I think uh, processed weight and everything anywhere between 22 and 38 pounds. Okay. That's okay. processed weight. Huh.
0: And like, our, I, I just, this is just a curiosity thing for me. Like, with people. And, um, I've had I, I, a lot of conversations with people and they're like, uh, I got screwed by the butcher. I, I took in, uh, this, this deer. And in my mind, this thing was a monster, blah, blah, blah. And all I got back was this little box of meat. Do you mm-hmm. get that reaction a lot?
1: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I have gotten it. I've gotten it a couple of times from people and, and that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about that, you know, all those, it was heavy for me or, you know, it's my biggest deer or whatever. And so people have it in their mind that, well, the, the hanging weight of the deer is 140 pounds. So I should get 135 pounds of meat. Well, no, (laughs) that's not how it works. Um, and you know, me, uh, like if you bring in a full carcass, I'm going to trim everything I can. I'm going to pick that bone as clean as possible because I I see it as if this was my animal, this is what I would do for myself. If I'm not going to eat it, I wouldn't expect anybody else to eat it kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't like to waste anything. Like mm-hmm. I did I cut up a a giant bull, guys first archery bull this year, giant bull. I had uh it was a boned out animal um It was 189 pound meat weight, which is just a giant, uh, but I huge, I bet you I had 15 pounds of waste out of that whole thing. So, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm really good at keeping my knife right up against that sinew. So you're not getting that, that meat waste. That's, you know, full-time butchers that do it all day. They don't have the time to make sure that you're going to get, uh, every little ounce of that meat, but. I I'll, mm-hmm. I'll try my best to to get it off.
0: Yeah, I could I could tell you've been doing that cuz I, I I watch it you you do a lot of uh you know posts on Facebook and whatever and 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 I can watch kind of watch it come through. It does feel like like for from my perspective, if I'm a guy living in Boise, I like I like the the one-on-one person uh and, and like the I I don't know the the individual uh relationship type kind of style that you do. Um, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's, that's a huge thing because it's this, this is an emotional, I I, I can imagine this being an emotional industry, being a butcher for wild game meat people, they put their heart and souls into this hunt. Right. And, and the meat is a big, uh, huge factor to why they even do it. And and so dealing with the public on something like that, uh, especially people that are you know it might be their first deer, or their first elk, or something, that, and they don't they don't know how much meat they're going to get back, um, uh, and and just those kind of attitudes, uh, good or bad, uh, I can see this being a super like highly emotionally charged place to be. <laughs> Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, I I definitely understand what you're saying. Yeah, it, it can definitely you know it it has its obviously low spots and frustrations and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I guess I try to keep the the positive attitude. Everybody that comes from my door, whether I just met you or I've known you for years, I t- appreciate you're my best friend and I'm going to do my damnedest to, uh, you know, get, get you every ounce of it, if you will, and, and mm-hmm. make sure that your stuff is clean. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a big believer, you know, if I'm not willing to eat it, then you shouldn't be, then you shouldn't have to eat it. And I know how, how it, how much effort it takes in to go and get one of these animals. Yeah. So, I think that makes think a big difference. Every...
0: That makes a big difference yeah. when when the butcher is a hunter as well. Right.
1: Yeah, the only the only bad thing about this let's start a butcher shop thing I, that I found and I guess I kind of always knew it but it, um, like I'm supposed to be elk hunting right now. Mhm. But I was going to ask you uh, about that. Yeah, I I am going to close my shop uh, the last two weeks of September because it's my annual trip. Uh, I've been doing it for years. Uh, so, but I mean, if yeah. if uh, if we get a bunch of animals on the ground, well, guess what? I'm I'm coming home early and I'll call people and let let everybody know. Hey, I'm I'm open back up because yeah, you know it's right now like with COVID and everything. A lot of these places aren't even taking meat.
0: I you know I, know. So I, I really don't want to
1: put a guy out.
0: Yeah, for sure. I that that would be my biggest hesitation right there is cuz this is like your busy time, man, and it's hunting season at the same time, so I don't know how that yeah. plays out, but I I I like the idea. Uh and like I said, I wish I wish you were closer. I'd I'd bring everything to you, but um I'm not driving it. Let me correct my earlier mileage. I think we're like 400 miles apart. <laughs> not, yeah. not 750. But anyway, Gosh, that's awesome, man! I'm I'm proud of. you. I think this is cool. Get get your meat LLC. If you guys are in Boise in the Boise area, um, give Andy, Andy a call. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have the um, website uh, linked in the show notes, so you guys can all the information is phone number, directions, address, all that kind of stuff is 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 there. Looks like there's a tab somebody can click on, and, and it says get quote. So you can be like, Hey, how much to butcher my elk or whatever. And you can kind of give them some basic numbers or something. Is that what that is?
1: Yeah, that's pretty much, I'm just going to tell you, it's a dollar a pound hanging weight is Mm -hmm. uh, what that is. And, and kind of go over, like if you want some pepperoni or something like that made up, I'll tell you what the the price for that is.
0: Do you do, do you do any jerky?
1: I do. Yeah, I do whole muscle and burger jerky. Oh really? As well as, yeah, as well as pepperoni, uh, summer sausage. I can do salami, but I don't have a curing chamber, and uh, dry cure salami is ten weeks to get it done in a in a curing chamber. Oh wow! Um, I didn't but, know that. Yeah, it, yeah, it, I didn't either. I actually had a bear this last spring. A uh, guy brought me a bear and wanted salami, and I I kept trying to tell him you're you're thinking summer sausage, and he's like, no, it's salami, and I'm like, okay, well I'll, I'll figure it out. Uh, so I did, and luckily I found a little uh, deal online. It's, it's called uh, hybrid salami. Uh, it was, it allowed me to, uh, smoke it for 12 hours. Uh, cause salami, you don't, you don't cook at all. It, it's, it's dry cured. It's, it molds. You got to put culture in it and all that stuff for the mold. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, this, this allowed me to smoke it for 12 hours and then I stuck it in the refrigerator for 23 days. And then it finally started molding up uh and then uh I check you have to check the weight you know before and after, and once it loses forty percent then it's it's ready to go, and that's what it initially had done,
0: Man, and the guy the eats process. it all the
1: time it's actually his his salami is actually on on that website there
0: on the on this page- so one of these pictures
1: yeah on the on the pictures mm-hmm. there I can there's see like it. four pieces of yeah that's bear salami,
0: oh gotcha, that's awesome. Is there, can you, like, is there anything that you can say that you think, like, okay, here's the biggest thing that hunters do that ruins their meat before they get it to me? Or 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 just, you know, maybe not ruins it, but makes it not taste as good. Is there, like, one thing that people can have in their mind before we jump off of this?
1: Uh, yeah, actually, I, I can think of one thing off the top of my head if, especially if you're boning it out or anything like that. And you're stuffing things in meat sacks. If you got a bunch of hair on one piece of meat and then you stuff it in a bag, uh, that's full of meat. Guess what? You just transferred all that hair throughout that whole thing. And you're going to make a butcher very not happy with you. Ah uh, man.
0: So that sucks. I hate that. Like if, hair is a bean in my existence, man. When it comes to me. Yep. So huh. if you
1: can do anything it, like, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Idaho state law requires you to leave evidence of sex. So, you know, if mm-hmm. you've got a small bag or you can, you got those disposable bags or whatever, those throwaway bags, drop it in there first, tie it off and then drop the rest of your meat there. That'll help with, uh, you know, some of that hair transfer. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Okay. That's a good. Th-
1: yeah. That's a good point. I, I think that, that would be, that's my ultimate. Pet peeve is having hair and dirt come into my shop because legally, uh, a lot of shops can't accept it. You know, uh-huh. especially those USDA shops, and and my permitting doesn't allow me if it's got a lot of hair. Like I had to turn away an elk earlier today, which made me very sad. But I mean, it was covered in hair; it still had half the hide on it, mm-hmm. and it was like, no, I I can't accept that, and I can't skin your animal out here. I, I don't have a kill floor set up, so yeah, um, unfortunately, yeah. I, I just I'm not set up for that.
0: Okay, let me throw another one at you. When hunters are breaking down a, a bigger animal like an elk or mule deer uh and and they're they're getting in their mind they're getting as much meat as they can are, are is there like a consistency or a pattern that a lot of hunters miss a certain cut of meat when they're doing like this gutless or or breaking down an elk uh that is like you get you get all the meat and you realize it's not in there and it drives you crazy kind of thing.
1: Like they think they got the meat, but they just didn't, or what?
0: Or they don't even know to cut that kind of meat off, like that, that like neck oh. meat, for example, or or something along those lines.
1: Yeah, I would say the two biggest things I can think of off the top of my head is going to be your neck meat and your flank. And the gotcha. flank is, is, you know, that that brisket all the way down. Uh, people don't think to grab that, and that's some of the best meat. That flank, it, it's never been worked. It, it's it's extremely tender. Um, I don't know if you've ever had beef flank steak or anything like that. I mean, it's, yeah,
0: yeah, just it's the other night,
1: very good. Yeah, it's super. Yeah, good. I mean, so that would be my big thing. I always make sure I take the flank. Which, if if somebody doesn't know where the flank is, um, I'll kind of give you a rundown. Uh, so along the rib cage, right where it starts to open up, that's the end of the brisket there, um, and then that flank goes all the way down to the rear ham. It's just that that skirt, if you will, skirt yeah, steak, yeah. flank steak, whatever you want to call it, Um, and yeah, get that meat off there. It, it'll look like it's got a bunch of sinew and stuff, and it's not really worth taking. But if a guy knows how to cut meat, he can actually take that sinew off very easily and never use a knife to do it. Huh? So is, is it, that is that the same on a on, on a on a moo cow? Is
0: that the same thing that you get mm-hmm. when you're when you're getting like a flank steak from like say a, a London broil?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, a, a London I, broil
0: well, is not a, a is not a chunk of meat. It's a way of cooking the meat, right? But but that's generally what you see packaged and and labeled as a London broil, right? Or, or am I off on that?
1: No, I you're you're pretty close. Yeah, and I actually it, it, yeah, it's actually not the flank steak. The skirt steak is what I meant to say. The oh, skirt, skirt, skirt steak. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, the skirt is is what. Yeah, not the flank steak. Yeah, no. Okay. The, the skirt steak is right there on the on the opening of that uh, that rib cage. All the I know, way
0: that yeah, I know what you're talking about. I think I've been guilty of that too. So, um, and that is what you 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 feel like a lot of hunters miss that and they don't they don't bring it into you.
1: Yeah, or they just look at it. Well, you know, on on a deer or an antelope, you know, it, there's it may not be worth your time to do it, but on like an elk, you're going to get a pretty healthy chunk of meat out of that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you know, I, I think a lot of guys just think, well, that's just going to be too much work. I mean, it's real easy for them to cut it, but if they're going to butcher it themselves, it, it's a lot of work if you don't know the technique how to skin those things out just right. Yeah, but like yeah, I, for sure. I grab a hold of it and and age it just a little bit, and I can just grab a hold of it, my hand and pull it apart.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. I've got some good information out of this. I that's and I say this on the on the podcast all the time, but I benefit the most from this podcast because I learn. Uh, because I'm the one asking the questions, right? And I know people listen mm-hmm. to it sometimes, and they're like, "Ah, oh, man, I wish you would ask this, or I wish you would ask that." I, I, you know, I apologize. I wish I could read read your minds, but uh, for me, I got a lot out of this conversation. So, um, what what I would say is for you guys down in Boise, which if you listen to the last episode, you know that Boise is the second biggest area for downloads for this podcast. I was blown away, man. I announced it on the last one, and I was blown away. Seattle and Tacoma are the number one spot. Can you believe that? Wow.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's, that's crazy.
0: It's crazy. I didn't know there was all those hunters over there. So, shout out to Seattle and Tacoma. You guys are uh, killing it over there. So, uh, but Boise is the second biggest could, area. What's that?
1: I was going to say, I wish I could figure out the little podcast thing that I've got. you know, I listen to your, your show all the time, and. I can't figure out for the life of me how to download them. I always hear, you know, Oh, you got to download them and I get credit for it and all this stuff. And it's like, well, I don't know how to do that.
0: Well, if you're listening to it, uh, so they're, they're counting that as a download. If you're just streaming the podcast, that's a download. Uh, they're, they're, they're counting that, but you can also, uh, actually download it to your phone. Um, like when my wife and I, we go camping a lot. So, Uh, when we're out of service, we'll sit at home the night before and we'll, we'll download a few podcasts so that we could sit on the river and listen to different podcasts and stuff. Um, and so that's, I, I I don't know. I'm not the most techie guy you'll ever meet, man, but that's, that's just kind of what I take away with. (laughs) But, uh, anyway, Boise area, you guys, uh, if you're in the area, I, you know, Andy is you can, and I'm sure you know this just from listening to this episode. He's a straight shooter. You're going to get your own meat back. Uh, I, I, feel like you're one of those guys that you, we can just trust and, and, uh, you, you're going to take care of everybody the right way. And, and, and I, I, would encourage people to, to jump on your website and, and, uh, definitely use your services this year.
1: Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. I, I try to treat everybody, you know, the way I want to be treated and I don't like to be treated very unkindly. So
0: yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you for sure. So I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. Let's, uh, we'll, we'll plan to do it again and, and, uh, definitely keep me posted as to how, uh, your elk season unfolds and, and, uh, all these hunting season that, that are knocking on the door right now. See my elk season doesn't start till Sunday. So I sit up here and I'm super jealous of all you guys in the rest of Idaho, outside, south of the panhandle that get a hunt a week earlier. Uh, but, um, it's coming. So anyway, by the time this releases, it'll, I'll be, I'll be already hunting.
1: So will be ready to bring me an animal, huh?
0: That's right. I'll make the drive, man. I'm driving down there, so.
1: Or just call yeah. me up and say, hey, I need you to come to a mobile thing over here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that comes with a, that comes with a complete pack out off the mountain, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. I cool. was actually, I was talking with Nate Davenport a while back and i was like yeah maybe i'll have to uh, make up a whole bunch of pepperoni and and come up that way so if i do i'll yeah I'll hit you up too maybe we'll make a make a weekend out of fishing or go dink around or something
0: yeah definitely and then we can get all three of us in the studio and uh record some you know aimless conversation It'd be fun hey i like aimless I, I do too man i specialize in it so uh <laughs> cool Thanks a bunch for coming on, man. I, this is this has been great, and uh, I let's let's keep in touch for sure. Sounds good. Yeah, we'll do it. You made it all the way to the end.